You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. In the news the last couple of weeks, I, I keep seeing these ridiculous clickbait articles about how the teens on TikTok today think that my generation is using the wrong emojis or parts our hair the wrong way. We're wearing the wrong style of jeans. All sorts of just articles with the earth-shattering revelation that the younger generation criticizes the style of the older generation. And so in a not-at-all-pathetic and desperate attempt to seem young, hip, and with it, I'm going to focus today's episode on Marcus Bromander, who is one of the co-creators of Among Us, which I, as a still-cool teacher, know is very popular with today's youths. See, I get how kids talk. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts and audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood, and joining me once again today, I have Jeff Arndt from Ranchview Elementary. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate that you're always willing to come in for like the odd ones, you know, like we're, we're not talking about Picasso or like Van Gogh, you know, earlier you came in for like Marcel Duchamp. Now we're here to talk about a video game designer. Hopefully that doesn't, that doesn't speak too much about who I am as a, <laughs> as a person. <laughs> Um, but I think it is worth taking time to look at art in all of its different forms and appreciate the art that we see in those different forms. So for today, we're going to be focused on Marcus Bromander. Um, and he is, man, this makes me feel old. He was born in 1990 and he, he is a video game designer and developer, uh, born and raised in Oregon. And like, he first got noticed for like his crossing the pit game in 2007. So like, think about that. Like he's like 17 years old developing games. I shudder to think at what I was doing (laughs) at that age. Um, but Oh, he's best known today for his for his work with the popular game series Among Us. But um, before that, he became known for his game series, the Henry Stickman uh, game series, which ran from 2008 to 2015. So there's going to be some really interesting things to talk about in a few moments when, when we look at those series of games yeah. and the evolution of the games and the art form. Um it's a phenomenal style to talk about. 
Yeah, so. I think I think it is really interesting. And he's he's known for this kind of simplified style. You know what I mean? For me, it has a little bit of like this nostalgic feel to like the way I remember games um, in like the 80s, 90s. And probably, like I said, he was a child of the 90s. So it probably has some nostalgic feel to him too, where like all the graphics look like they were made in like Microsoft Paint and stuff like that. Um, but as simple as it seems like it's also very serious like he co-founded inner sloth video game studio um and like i said he's one of the co co-designers co-creators of the among us game and i think it's worth taking a little time to talk about the development of among us because that is a very popular game right now and you know as a kid bromander enjoyed playing a real life game called mafia it's sort of like a whodunit like it sounds to me like it's sort of like live action role playing you know everybody playing the game has a part to play and there are different phases of the game and in in those different phases you know there are the villains that that are kind of sort of inconspicuously you know taking out other players and stuff like that and you're trying to figure out who who's doing it you know what i mean so, again, it's kind of the secret identity stuff that we see in or covert action that we see in Among Us. Um, and part of the goal with Among Us was to create essentially like a digital rendition of that sort of a game. But he didn't want to simply copy that Mafia or Werewolves or there are all, all sorts of variations on that game. He didn't want to copy that in a digital form. He wanted to put a fresh new spin on it. Um, but I think it is worth noting that like he was basing this off of his previous life experiences as a kid. And I think it's also interesting now they've got real life or in person among us that I hear kids talking about playing too. It's kind of cool because it's, it's essentially taking a, a live action game that you're playing and then you're transforming it digitally into a, a, a co-op game yeah, uh, or a cooperative play, you know, play game with, with people online. So it's kind of a cool transformation of the art, how it goes from this live action um, mm-hmm. into this digital, this digital medium, which is really fascinating. Yeah, and like I say, and now it's coming full circle as people are playing it, the Among Us in real life. Um, and initially, he I guess intended the game to be like just on mobile devices and local multiplayer, single map, very simplified, stripped down game, and it was not a huge success right out of the gate. Um, we we know Among Us now, but like when it was first released, it had a, kind of a shaky start. And I, th- I I always like when when I read about the development of stuff, like I can empathize so much with the what I've read about this development process, where it talks about like the initial phase he's going about, he's developing it, and he's basically like Googling images. Like, he's got this idea, and he's just like Googling images. Like, okay, what uh, what does an electrical room look like? Okay, I'm going to throw that in. He's using the friends to test things out in the early stages, and it's like, it's crashing and patching, and he's just like trying to like 
build the plane as he's flying it. Um, I guess they only tested it with like eight people, even though it had a maximum of 10 and they're still like releasing it. They're just like, it's fine. We'll put it out there. This is such a fun game. Like just that enthusiasm. I love that they put it out there, even though from like a strictly like business development model, it's like, I don't know that that's the best way to go about things. Start to create and how you make it even more exciting as you're, as you're developing it, you know, part of you is like, wow, this has such great potential and you know, what's there. So let's get it out there and then just sort of see how it evolves and and what we can do with people's feedback and start to make it better and, and continue to improve upon it. Yeah. And like I say, that, that feeling like I, I feel like I know what it would be like to be in that that development room or on that team where it's like, you know, we've got something really brilliant here and I cannot wait for the world to see and experience it. And, you know, you're just rushing to get it out there because I I feel like when I'm creating something while I'm creating it, I am confident it is the best thing I have ever created in my life. You know, and then you look back and it's like, oh, there actually was some room for improvement here, (laughs) you know. Um, And to their credit, they they were willing to take on that constructive feedback. They recognized that room for improvement and they made tweaks. They they added like the online multiplayer. They added new tasks. They allowed for people to like customize it. They created new maps and stuff like that. And so. The initial release came in like June of 2018, and I think I read they were averaging like 30 to 50 players. Yeah. Like, so small. I mean, that's not- <laughs> when you consider like this the scale of these like online online things that is that is minuscule. And you know, they nearly abandoned the game several times, but they had a small and dedicated and vocal player base. And I think they just kind of recognized that there was this potential. And luckily, you know, Bromander says like his studio, they had enough savings to support it, even though it wasn't really selling particularly well. And you don't hear these kinds of stories that often, where it's like, from a pure dollars and cents standpoint, it didn't make sense because they had developers working on it and they they kept paying those developers to keep working on it, even though it's not selling. And they're putting out updates, sometimes as frequently as like every week, putting yeah. out updates to improve the game. And slowly they did find a little bit of success. It started gaining a little bit more traction over time. But really, the game changer, if you'll pardon the pun, it was when certain influential people on Twitch and YouTube started streaming, playing that game. Um, There was someone, uh, a streamer goes by the name of like Soda Poppin, uh, was I think the first one streaming it on Twitch, but other influential streamers followed suit. And... I think it really sort of blew up in 2020 as it became this not only a fun game, but also a way to to interact socially while distant. I think you're really hitting on some of the key components for these smaller, uh, more independent games is that there's such 
there's such a glut of them out there. Um, like I can go on to, you know, the, the PlayStation shop or the Nintendo eShop and I can browse the different games that are available by these smaller independent companies. And there's just lists upon lists upon lists of them. And to the point where it's almost a little overwhelming. And when you start thinking as the consumer about dollars and cents and how you're going to spend your money and what choices you're going to make or what's free and what's even worth your time, um, there's a lot of decisions to be made. And, you know, in some cases, unfortunately, it's, it comes down to almost word of mouth and that publicity that you get from other people. Like in this example of those streamers starting to give it some attention and then people start to, to zoom in on that because there's so much out there. So when you have somebody that you look up to that's directly referencing it, you kind of get that, oh, maybe this is worth my time too. And so you start to check it out and then it kind of starts to gain um, gain a little traction and then more and more people start to, you know, begin to check it out and then it becomes more popular too. So there's a, there's a lot, to, lot of hurdles that you have to, kind of overcome just getting your your idea out there to more people in this day and age, especially in games, um, because you just have so many different options. So it's it's pretty impressive that they were able to, to stick with it and not give up and, and continue to kind of push forward. And then also at the same time, show the heart that they're putting into the game by continually updating it and making it better so that the product is, you know, as good as it can be. Yeah, and I think there's, you know, one of the reasons that I like to start by talking about context is because I think it helps to understand the work and why one piece rises and another piece doesn't. So, like, one of the elements I think here is he had built a little bit of a name for himself with the the Stickman series. Stickman series, yeah. You know, so, like, it was somebody who was not starting from zero. He had a little bit of a reputation in the industry. He had some success with, with uh, previous games. And he also had a little bit of savings it, in order to, to support following that passion project. And then also when you think about just the timing of when it blew up, like it's not just that influential gamers picked it up. It's also that it was just the right game to provide that social interaction that people have really been just really needing in their and lives. You're, yeah, craving for it. I mean, but how many times can we say that about something, right right, right place in the right time, right? You oh, know, absolutely. Right, right at the right moment. Timing's everything for, for so much. Yeah. So. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. 
Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as we look a little bit more closely at Among Us, you know, the pictures that I, that I put up here, I, I've got some of the concept art. And, you know, one of the things that, that I, I notice about this is, well, actually, I, I should always, I always, I always let the guests go first. So what's your, what's your first thought about that concept art and in relation to the game itself? Because I think that concept art is symbolic of the game. So I think for me, when you look at, at his history of game creation, in a, in a linear kind of fashion, the artwork makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to like Crossing the Pit, and then if you go to the, the Stickman series, and then you go to this, you can see the progression of the artwork. Um, because Crossing the Pit is just... I mean, it's not even really a game. It's it's almost like just a, a humorous flash video with mm-hmm. like a game element to it, but you're not really, I mean, it's not like you can actually beat the game. You know what I yeah. mean? Not. Yeah. And then the Stickman series, you can see how then that evolves in the, the jump in the quality is just miles above. And you can see the evolution there. And then when you get to Among Us, it's like, oh, okay, I, I get it. I get where where his creative process is going and how he's developing this this new game where it's it's influenced by the Stickman series, but then at the same point it has a, a very different, you know, in a sense, style of gameplay. So it kind of all mashes up together, but in a really, I think effective way yeah and I, I think you're right it does mash together um you know one of the things about like among us has these little stickman easter eggs in there that you know those who have been playing his other games will catch certain references and and audiences in my experience generally appreciate that like there's something nice about a developer who continues to put certain stylistic and references of other works in there because like from my perspective as as a, an audience for that work I always appreciate when I pick up on those subtle allusions to something that like it makes me feel like oh, I'm picking up on that reference. It makes me feel clever for picking up on that reference and it makes me like that game more. You know what I'm saying? It's in, in addition to that, because I, I feel very much the same way. Um, it also brings me when I'm playing games, a certain level of either comfort or like nostalgia. Yeah. Um, like when I play the Mario series or I, my favorite series, the Legend of Zelda series, um, I can find themes um, and I'm not talking about story, but you know, it styles of gameplay and certain familiar feelings within each of those games, even though they're different games. So you can see how somebody that either, you know, first started by with the crossing the pit 
but then moved into the same series and then to Among Us, how they could latch on to, you know, to each of those games for those different reasons. Yeah. And, and as I look at like the concept art, you know, one of the, one of the things I'm always reminded of is the common criticism of so much modern art that it's like, anyone could do that. Yeah. You know, the, the first descriptor I heard of the Among Us figure was like, you mean that blob that doesn't really even have arms or anything? Like it's just a bubble without much of any detail. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that. But one of the things that you had said was that comfort and that nostalgia. And I think what people sometimes miss in looking at something as like, oh, that seems so simple. I mean, first of all, I, I like showing that concept art because it's like as simple as it is, they thought about different variations on it. It is purposefully simple. It is simple by design, and I think it is designed to be simple for that comfort and nostalgia. It feels weird to talk about the comforting aspects of a game that involves, you know, covert actions and and players, you know, sabotaging yeah. and, and attacking each uh, other and all yeah. that. But but in a very true sense, it's a game that that drew on um, Bromander's nostalgia for a live action game that he played with his friends while he was growing up. And the visual style is referencing, you know, the old generations of video game graphics. Like it's, it's not that his game studio cannot possibly produce more complex graphics. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a stylistic choice. Absolutely. And it's a really popular trend right now. Um, these newer but retro styled games, you, you know, they call them the 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 eight bit games. Some of the individuals I play them are, are people that are my age that grew up playing games that look very similar to these, and so there's also that bit of comfort and nostalgia involved with it too. When you're playing the game and how it looks stylistically, or even the sound effects that they use and the um, the music that goes along with it too. So. I think it brings in another group of people um, just ba- just based on how the games are designed and how the games look and how the games sound and, and even how the games feel. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And and again, it's one of those things where it's like the right thing at the right time. It's um, and I, I think part of the reason that those those retro and nostalgic games are having such a moment is because when the world feels chaotic you want something that that feels stable you know you want it's the comfort food of video games to see those those things that remind you of the games you enjoyed as a kid when everything everything seemed so much simpler you know what i mean because sure. i don't know if you've noticed the world right now is a little bit different you know <laughs> i hadn't noticed <laughs> yeah um there's been this thing, this, uh, they call it a pandemic. Um, oh. We've all been going through the last year. But like Bromander and Lou, like I, now I feel like I, I, I'm, I, I've been remiss. I don't think I've mentioned Bromander did not create this game solo. Uh, he and Amy Lou are, are, 
co-creators, co-designers of this game. So, you know, we've been talking mostly about Bromander, but it is not a solo project, as no video game is a solo project. Um, but he is he is one of the big names behind it. But I think rightfully credit should also be going to Amy Liu in this, um, especially when we're talking about the design aesthetic. And it is, you know, she was a, a co-designer, co-creator. And, you know, artists do make that choice to simplify things for a reason. And that reason is not laziness. It is not a lack of skill. It is purposefully creating that nostalgic effect. It is, it is mimicking styles that will resonate with their audience. And I think that's, that's worth knowing and acknowledging. And as we can see from the concept art even, they thought about different versions of simplified designs. And it is a genuine struggle because I know for myself and, and other artists I've talked to, you have this conflicting desire between wanting to show off and demonstrate your, your skills and your abilities in this way that is just visually stunning and going to capture the audience's attention and impress them. But then you also have this desire to make it seem fun and effortless and relaxed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, I, I think it takes some real maturity and restraint and self-confidence to pare back and simplify things in that way. And it works. I mean, when, when you're playing the game, there's, there's a lot of different elements to process um, between the tasks and the jobs that you have to do. Um, the, the different texts that are appearing on the screen and how it switches back and forth between different, you know, votes you have to take versus the different roles that each of the the players has. And it all works. Um, I was playing it the other day, kind of with that in mind, thinking, well, what would this game be like if it had a, a lot more detail added to it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had in the back of my mind, it, it might be sort of distracting, and it's yeah. one of those things where visually it, it works and it works really well. Yeah, there's an elegance in the simplicity of, of design sometimes. Um, so I think we've kind of covered a bit of the back background, our reactions to the piece. Uh, should we wrap it up? Yeah. And I'm wrapping it up. I want Just a three-point rating scale. And where should this hang? The Louvre? Is this something to look at? The lab? The lab. Is this something to learn from? Or the loot. British for the bathroom. Yeah. There's the a loot joke in there somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. Um, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, personally, as I play it, the, the game is fine. Um, it's a little bit too simple for my tastes. And I, I don't mean how, how it, I'm not referring to how it looks. Um, I'm mm-hmm. referring to the actual, the game and kind of the, the concept to it. But when you mention where it is at this moment in time, um, if I look at it in, in through that lens, you know, during a pandemic, during right now, you know, I'm putting it in the Louvre. It's a great way to connect. Um, it's a great way to, to have some fun with other people. Um, when you're not able to necessarily go out and, and do that right now. But if I'm not looking 
at it through that lens, um, I'm kind of putting it in the lab and I'm wondering, you know, what this is going to spawn other game developers to do and to create as they play it and look at it. Yeah, I can understand that lens of as an artifact of this time and like the historical lens of like, what does the popularity of this game tell us about the lived experience of 2020, the zeitgeist and all that. That being said, I, 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 cause I also struggled with that, that question and the way that I frame it and the way that I set myself up for something that is, is horribly awkward. Cause artwork doesn't neatly fit into just one of three categories. Um, sure. I, I, ultimately landed on actually the Lou and not as like a, a crass judgment about its quality, but because I feel like it is a piece that doesn't need to stick around forever. It serves its function, you know, but I don't think there's a ton of insight because like the, the eight bit games, the retro stuff, like that's, that's all territory that has been mined quite a bit you know, um, and I, I feel like this is something that it's enjoyable. It's, it's quality. There's a lot that's well done, but it's like, it, it's like Mario Kart, you know, it's enjoyable, but it's not life changing or earth shattering. Yeah. The, the, I think for me, when I reflect on that, it's kind of the depth of the game Yeah, and it's, there's not a ton of it for me so it's it's just kind of a quick one and done and i'm also playing it on an ipad too yeah and so i'm already in that mindset of this is just a mobile game it's pretty quick it's something i can pick up when i want for just a minute or two and then put it back down and forget about it um so when i'm gaming like that too I, I don't know if I'm in the mindset too where these mobile games compared to something that I'm playing on my console um, or like on a PC or something like that has an increased value in my mind because it, it, there's some bigger bigger things that are happening or not. Um, and that might be you know a, a fixed mindset in that realm too because I know that there's there's got to be plenty of mobile games out there that have a lot more depth to them and you can do a lot more with them. Um, so that might be something that I need to get over a preconceived notion or something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, there may be. I'm not a gaming expert by any stretch, but like to me, this feels like it's a casual game. It's not something that has the gargantuan impact. You know, like like when I think about what game would be a museum piece to me, I I mostly go to like the original Mario because the popularity of that spawned so much work and it has been influential like you say what 30 years later people are making things that are referencing that style and playing off that nostalgia and so it's like that's the more impactful stuff to me that has had that staying power whereas this i feel like and again nothing against it, it i just feel like its role is a casual pleasant diversion and there is something to be said about it as a cultural artifact of this specific time but mostly i feel like it is the casual game you know yeah if i'm looking at you know co-op games that are more influential there's a, a list that comes before this one yeah 
but you know that somewhere down the road, there's going to be a game developer. Um, and absolutely this game is going to be in their, their list of influences that help them, you know, create whatever it is that they went on to make. Yeah. So, so now maybe I'm coming around to the other side. Maybe it is, maybe it is something that would be in a museum and I'm, I'm just an old and wearing, you know, the wrong style of jeans and parting my hair in the wrong way and all that sort of stuff that we're hearing about. (laughs) I would just say with that, it's so funny. (laughs) Give yourself credit. (laughs) You're still cool. (laughs) You might be an old art teacher, but you're still cool. Yeah. Am I so out of touch? No, it's the children. It's yes, it's always the children. <laughs> Yet another way the Simpsons have predicted the future. The future. <laughs> I, I, I just I keep seeing those articles and thinking of like Jasper going to freeze himself with the note that says like oh. alt please alter my pants as fashion dictates. <laughs> oh, But anyways, I should wrap this up. Thank you very much for taking the time. It was fun to to discuss a little bit of video game art and artistry, especially with somebody who has more experience in that realm than I do. Absolutely. Hopefully we can talk more about some video game artwork in the future because it's a great topic to, to discuss. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted? If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and on the website WhoArtedPodcast.com. Podcast done.